1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The draft is where dreams are realized and the futures of the 32 teams is decided as they look to add the final offseason pieces to the puzzle that will hopefully have them playing for the Lombardi Trophy next February. What are the pieces that the Bears added and did they get us on the road to Atlanta? Scott Wright joins us once again for the 2018 NFL Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears review all the intrigue and drama and suspense and mystery surrounding this draft finally came to fruition and everything was laid out for us Beginning on Thursday night, and all the way through to Saturday afternoon, in the 2018 NFL Draft. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the 2018 Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And we'll have Scott Wright back to help us break this down, dig into the Bears Draft, along with all of the fun stories and everything that went down over the weekend in uh, Dallas uh, or Arlington, Texas, if you want to be, uh, you know, uh, literal about it. But uh, you know, it was a really, really fun draft. Uh, the, the lots of trades being made, teams making moves that nobody saw coming, and, and all the rest of that stuff. Scott and I get you know get in in depth with it and everything, and it's uh, you know it was a really a lot of fun. And it's such a bittersweet weekend because, as you guys know, it's the last thing worth talking about that's going to happen between now and when training camp starts. In well, for us because we have a new coach. And we have an extra preseason game mid-July as opposed to late July. We get to go a week earlier than everybody, us and the Ravens, to get ready for that Hall of Fame game. But, uh, you know, unless the Bears do something exciting over the summer as far as uh, maybe signing one of those June 1st free agents or something like that, this is pretty much it. Because with the rookie weight pay scale and all that stuff, the drama of signing your first-round pick and, and all the rest of that, that stuff doesn't really exist uh, anymore. I mean, sometimes the quarterbacks like to hang on to it because of language for offset money and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But for the most part, you're slotted into a spot. You got picked here. This player makes this much. And there you go. Sign the freaking contract and welcome to the NFL. So the, the whole rookie wage scale thing has kind of taken the mystery out of teams having difficulty signing their picks um, and, and, and whatnot. So the offseason after the draft isn't, very exciting at all, even though don't tell that to the NFL Network. They'll try to pound it into the ground that there's something worth paying attention to at this point uh, in the year. But um, nonetheless, we are in that bittersweet area post-draft and pre-training camp. It's, this is the the um, purgatory of the offseason where... Nothing happens and really nothing to look forward to for a while. And uh, I'm sorry if I bummed you all out. But the good news is this is that time of year when uh, we start digging into our 2018 opponent preview episode. So after this show, going to take a couple of weeks off while I get my ducks in a row and start making some new friends because um, this year we complete the cycle. We finally finished the last four of the 32 teams in the league. Uh, and whatnot when we finish with the AFC East uh, this summer. The Patriots, Dolphins, Jets, and um, Bills haven't had anybody for any of those teams on the show up to this point. So we're going to have some new friends to introduce to you guys, um, you know, later on uh, this summer. I think that we'll start with the AFC East first after we do our same place opponent. So we'll be starting with the Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've already got the PewterCast guys on board to help us out with that one, so it's just a matter of uh, uh, finding out uh, who we're going to get to help us out with the Giants before we move on to the AFC East sometime in, in early June, I would say, as far as uh, when those shows are going to take place. Then we'll do the NFC West and then finish off with our good friends in the AFC North uh, and then finally you know, close it all down with the Bears sometime in july just before training camp starts we like to save the best uh for last so we have that to look forward to i think we usually get started right around the memorial day weekend somewhere in that area is when we'll be kicking things off with the giants and the buccaneers whichever one i mean if we're going to go win loss that kind of thing the giants would would come before Tampa Bay but uh, I've already got the pewter cast guys on board I know that for a fact they're locked in so we may just go there first and worry about the Giants later but um nonetheless the draft was this weekend and I was super excited about it I don't know what the hell it is about sitting there watching you know basically this is the this is the high end equivalent of you and your buddies standing in the in you know on a patch of grass and be like yeah i'll take that guy yeah, I'll take him Oh, we'll take this guy. No, oh, we'll take him. Oh, I guess you're you're the last one, so I guess we'll take you, kind of thing. That's basically this is the high level, high technology over you know overblown equivalent of that. Is basically our thirty two teams picking their players uh, like a bunch of guys in the in the backyard, you know, picking teams to play baseball or softball or football or whatever. But um, you know, it was still a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it, especially the first round. That was so much fun. Um, the Browns doing what they did and, and surprising everyone by, by the rumors being true with them taking Mayfield and then passing on Chubb at number four to take Denzel Ward had me screaming for the bears to take, to try to trade up and make a deal for Chubb. He was the one guy that I would have been okay with the bears trading up for. And then after Chubb went to the, went to the Broncos, I was hoping that we, you know, we still got a chance at Quentin Nelson. Uh, but he didn't make it past Indy at number six. But, um, uh, you know, that was kind of sad for me because that's that's who I... I did want Quentin Nelson, and sure enough, because he was the guy I wanted, somebody else took him first. But instead, the consolation prize was the best defensive player still on the board. At that point, the best linebacker and a, a guy that a lot of people think, including like, you know, Super Bowl winning GM Charlie Casserly, this is a guy that's going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, not in, just in Chicago but in the league, and you know, early candidate for Defensive Rookie of the Year, and in Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia, he's going to be in this on the inside. Him and Danny Trevathan, that's going to be our inside linebacking core. And, uh, you know, this uh is, is a beast, and he's all over the place. But listen to me. I'm getting way ahead of myself. We got knee-jerk reactions. And unlike last year, where I was pissed as all hell that we took a quarterback, I didn't. I knew we were not ready for it, even though that ended up working out okay for us. I was still right about that. And I was genuinely pissed off when the Bears made that move, not to mention the trade that they made in order to make that pick happen uh, and everything. We got knee-jerk reactions for the you know just for the first round just before the pick the pick itself and uh into day two i didn't do any uh for the for the day three guys because you know i had to learn who they were from scott Wright and things like that and we'll hear more about that later but while we're still thinking about it here are the knee-jerk reactions from larry d on draft night
2: knee-jerk reaction to the first round of Of the NFL draft, and my guy is off the board. My top two guys are off the board. It was—it's been a crazy first handful of picks. Um, The 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 Browns took Mayfield at one uh, for the quarterback. They surprised everyone when they took Denzel Ward, the corner, at number four. Bradley Chubb fell all the way to number five. I was screaming for Ryan Pace to trade up to get Chubb. the 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 Broncos stand Pat, and they pick him up. And then Quentin Nelson goes on off the board next to Indianapolis so Chubb and Quentin Nelson so close yet so far away um the, the Bucks are on the clock now the Bears are up after that I'm thinking we're looking at uh, Tremaine Edmonds Roquan Smith uh something in that uh in that area we'll see what the Bears have uh what the Bears have up their sleeve coming up here in, a, in about 10 minutes or so okay
1: sad but excited would probably be the best way to describe how i was feeling after five and six took chubb and nelson off the board um you know it 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 was more i mean i i was tweeting back and forth with some of you guys uh you know some of them were like okay let's go ahead and trade back now and 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 whatnot and uh it's like it's roquan smith or a trade for me is where i was at uh, at that point, if if it came down to either Edmonds or Smith, I, I wanted it to be Smith. He was the more polished, more accomplished player maybe his ceiling isn't as high as Edmonds, but he was ready instead of being somewhat of a project maybe bringing him along and things like that this is a guy we could plug in right away to be an instant impact player and that's something the bears desperately need especially on the defensive side of the ball uh to you know because with all the attention that we pay to the offense the defense needed a little love and we got that when we had our pick at number eight
2: knee-jerk reaction the bears have made their pick The commission is making the announcement right now. Roquad Smith, linebacker from Georgia. We got our new middle linebacker, inside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. This kid is a stud, and he's a bear. How about that? We didn't get Nelson. We didn't get Chubb. We got Bradley. Excuse me. We got Roquan Smith. I got Bradley Chubb on the brain. Roquan Smith, the newest Chicago Bear inside linebacker, a piece for Vic Fangio's offense. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I was dying for the for Pace to trade up to get Chubb. I was thinking maybe we might trade down if we didn't get Roquan Smith or if we didn't want Roquan Smith. Apparently, he's our guy. He's our number one pick, eighth overall. And there it is, Roquan Smith, the new inside linebacker for the Chicago Bears. (laughs)
1: And here I was happy for a change after being disappointed with our first round picks the last two years. I didn't want Leonard Floyd. I specifically did not want Leonard Floyd. Not only did we pick him, but we traded up to get him. I didn't want the Bears to get a quarterback last year. Not only did we take one, but we traded up to get one. And this time, the guys that I did want didn't fall to us, but we still ended up with an outstanding football player and one that's been showered with praise from every corner of the earth since the Bears made that choice. A huge reason that people are huge fans of what the Bears did over the weekend. And I was so excited that I said Vic Fangio's offense when I meant Vic Fangio's defense. So there I was so delirious with joy over not hating a first round pick that we've made for the first time since 2015. Uh, Hopefully that's not a bad omen uh, with, you know, because I was actually kind of excited when we got Kevin White and, and whatnot, so knock on wood that this doesn't turn against us but uh nonetheless I was happy about getting Roquan Smith and uh I can't wait to see the guy uh get in there so it's it's going to be fun to watch the defense and see how it all comes together uh with him and Trevathan uh in the middle I mean it, it was, it's it's a it's such a good move for us to get Smith uh you know and and we then we have the solid depth with um um you know we still have John Timu we still have uh, Kwiatkowski uh, back there and, uh, and everything. And this guy's just a dynamic playmaker. They talk about the speed. He's a safety trapped in the linebacker's body, kind of thing. So, really looking forward to seeing him live up to his potential and being that next great bear. Uh, linebacker so that was it for Thursday night we move into day two and just like Scott Wright talked about in the preview uh, episode there was depth and 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 talent to be had in the second round like they're going to be guys that should have been mid first round picks they're going to fall into the 50s and there we were sitting at number 39 and a guy that was rumored to go in the teens maybe the early 20s is somebody that the Bears had targeted and were able to get their hands on at number 39 in the second round
2: knee jerk reaction to the start of the second round and uh you know there were a lot of surprises in the draft last night in the first round of course the bears taking roquan smith at eight when quentin nelson and bradley chubb were both taken already the second round's about to get underway there's a lot of good players left a lot of first round talent just like scott Wright said on the preview show that there would be first-round talent available into the 50s. And with guys like Will Hernandez, uh, Harold Landry, uh, Josh Jackson, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, you know, um, I, I think it was, the first name is James Daniels, the center from Iowa. There's a lot of talent to be had uh, for the Bears to be picking at 39. So second round about to get underway. Excited to see who the Bears come away with because we're going to get a good player whether we move up, we move down, somebody with some good talent talent is going to be available when the Bears make their selection today.
1: And sure enough, it was that guy whose first name I wasn't sure about. He's the guy that lands in our lap at number 39.
2: Knee-jerk reaction to the second round of the NFL Draft, and Mike Singletary, Samurai, about to announce the Bears' second-round pick. Unfortunately, Will Hernandez is off the board, but guys like Harold Landry, Josh Jackson, and others still available. Samurai's making the pick for the Bears right now. James Daniels, the center from Iowa. So I think Cody Whitehair just became a guard. If uh, Daniels is going to be a center at the NFL level, that's going to be the guy we're plugging in the middle. And Cody Whitehair just became our starting left guard. So there it is. First round, Roquan Smith. Second round, James Daniel from the University of Iowa, uh, solidifying that offensive line and uh, making up for missing out on Will Hernandez and Quentin Nelson uh, in the first two rounds. So... That's it for the Bears, Uh, unless, uh, you know, Ryan Pace can make some deals and and get back into the third round uh, or what have you. We don't pick again. We got two picks in the fourth round tomorrow, but otherwise uh, we're done for the night, and it's not even 630. Is it even 630 yet? It is – come on, remote. 6.35, 6.35, so we're barely 30 minutes into the second round the Bears are done for the evening unless they can uh, Ryan Pace can make some deals and uh, maybe get himself back into the third round or something like that so I will keep you posted and you'll hear my knee jerk reaction if that happens but I like this pick, a solid uh, pick and adding to our offensive line where we needed some help looks like Cody Whitehair is being shifted over to the guard with that kid Daniels at the center spot
1: Two things about this, number one um again i was wrong uh in the press conference uh reviewing the picks that we made on day two ryan pace come out and said that daniels is going to be a left guard they're going to start him at left guard keep cody whitehair at center probably because of the relationship he has with trubisky as his center and the the, the chemistry and whatnot that they have between themselves uh start daniels at uh, guard and cross train him as the center. So I don't know what that says about the future of Grassu, uh, Grasu, but it doesn't look good. Uh, let's just say that. And number two, uh, it was awesome to see Singletary Samurai himself, a Hall of Fame linebacker, um, making the pick for the Bears. Um, that being said, I am completely over the quote unquote NFL legends making the picks for their teams on days two and three. Uh, because it has turned into, everyone has to, thanks to uh, Drew Pearson uh, and that rant that he had in Philadelphia, which was an absolutely classic moment. Absolute classic, one-of-a-kind moment. He's in Philadelphia in the belly of the beast, talking trash to the Eagles and, and whatnot. It was a great, outstanding moment and now everybody after that has to turn their moment at the podium into a wwe promo and try to turn the crowd against them while they smack talk about a player that they're making picks and and stuff like that the guy that did it this year the roles were reversed last year it was a former cowboy in philadelphia this year it was a a former eagle a kicker mind you but david akers from the philadelphia eagles making a pick and talking trash to the Cowboys after winning the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. But he was not alone. Nate Burleson went up there and, and turned the uh, turned the podium into his Oscar moment for some reason, telling a story and all that I don't even remember who he picked. That's how much of a distraction his story was. It just got ridiculous after a while. So it's like, it, as cool as it was to see Samurai and then the next guy that we're going to talk about here in just a moment making picks for the Bears on day two, I would gladly sacrifice that if it meant we didn't have to listen to every former player uh trying to turn uh the their moment at the podium which is supposed to be about the players and living and realizing their dreams of joining the nfl it's supposed to be about them and these guys making it about themselves it's the equivalent of somebody trying to turn the national anthem into them cutting their demo album in front of the whole wide world so i I would happily do away with the players you know the former players uh making picks for their teams if it meant that you know getting rid of that moment you know getting rid of that to get rid of those moments would be a um justifiable trade uh in my opinion but um you know there i was saying that hey the bears are done at six thirty-five. i haven't even been home half an hour and i'm already done uh for the night I spoke way too soon, uh, as you hear. Some fireworks for the Bears making a move, getting themselves back in not into the third round, but into the second.
2: Knee-jerk reaction to the second round of the NFL Draft. And as I'm sitting here trying to enjoy my dinner, I about choked on a bite because the Bears just traded back into the second round. Picking at number 51, traded... Okay, that was tr- that's risky details. Never mind. But we're we're picking at 51. Uh, as soon as they get somebody up at the podium, we'll be announcing the pick. But we thought the Bears were done for the night. 12 picks later at 51, we're getting ready to go back to the podium. The pick is in. As soon as somebody's up there making the announcement, we'll uh, we'll see who we got. <laughs> Here we come. We're back up. Uh, we're back at the podium. This time it's Peanut Tillman making the pick for the Bears. About to announce the selection, and I'm really interested to know what the Bears gave up because we didn't have a third rounder. We had two fourth rounders, no third rounder, and here we are back in the middle of the uh, in the second round. And here comes the pick from Peanut. Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis. Another target for Mitchell Trubisky, the wide receiver from Memphis. 5'11", 201 pounds. Mike Mayock breaking it down. 4'5", speed uh, in the 40. So another target for Trubisky. There's your replacement for... Cameron Meredith, and um, you know, another weapon to be added to the to the, uh, to the to the to the offense, and another target for Trubisky. It's uh, I'm loving this. Probably won't like it too much when we hear what the Bears gave up to make the trade, but nonetheless, we went from being done for the night to grabbing another target for Trubisky to throw to, and uh, make some things happen on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs>
1: I just love how if you were playing a drinking game and you had to drink every time I said target for Trubisky, you would be drunk by the end of that little segment there. So I said by my count, I said target for Trubisky four times. Uh, And just for, you know, a little bit of trivia uh, for you, that little space when I was trying to think, uh, oh, there's your replacement for I cut it down to about five seconds. It was literally about three and a half minutes of silence while I tried to think of the name Cameron Meredith. For whatever reason, it just would not come to me. I could not think of his name to save my life. If we were live, I would have been screwed. But there I was. Thankfully, I'm just recording those segments. But, you know, when I record them onto my computer afterwards, it was like a four and a half minute uh, segment because I had three minutes and 30 seconds of just noise in the background while I tried to think of the name Cameron Meredith so for your sake I trimmed that you know 210 seconds down to about four or five and just cut down to the end where I remembered what his name was and finally thought of it so just a little bit of you know behind the scenes uh, for you guys but um, it turns out the trade that we made not thrilled about it as far as what we did give up we gave up the earliest of our fourth round picks. We picked at one. We had 105 and 115. We gave up 105. And we gave up next year's second round pick uh, to make that choice. So we went from having no third rounder this year to having no second rounder next year. So hopefully this is the Bears thinking that we're in a much better place that we um, we can take that hit. We can live without a second round pick next year because we're going to be picking so high, uh, so late in the draft uh, next year that uh, you know, it won't matter kind of thing. I mean, hopefully that's where they're thinking of and we're going to be a playoff team picking in the twenties uh, at the very least next season. So we'll see uh, you know, we can do away with a second round pick. So uh, uh, that's the trade that's been made. And now Anthony Miller's got something to live up to. And um we get more into the analysis of him when we get to Scott right here in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, those first three picks, uh, those are guys that are going to be on the field. You know, we got two starters, definitely two starters in Daniels and Roquan Smith. Those guys are day one starters right now. Uh, even though they say Daniels is going to be in quote-unquote competition for the left guard spot, he's your starter. He's going to be the guy that's taking the field against the Packers week one. And Anthony Miller is going to be a contributor. That's going to be a guy coming off the bench. You're going to see a lot of him uh, as well. And then our day three picks, I didn't do any knee-jerk reactions for them. And uh, we'll talk about more of those, uh, talk about them and get into who they are and what we can expect from them when we bring on Scott right here in just a few minutes. But Again, a lot of great stories going on in the draft. Uh, some moves and trades. The trades didn't happen until seven. We thought we might see trades as early as two or four with the Giants and the Browns and so on and so forth. No moves until just before the Bears were picking because you heard me talking about uh, that first quarter, or first uh, round uh, uh, knee jerk reaction just before we made the pick with Roquan Smith. Me talking about how the Bucks are on the board. That was before the Bills moved up into seven to take the Bucks pick. To take Josh Allen as their quarterback and and, and so on. It's like the fireworks began there, then the trades kind of came hot and heavy uh before the end of the uh first round. And by the time it was all said and done, five quarterbacks off the board, and uh, you know, and then a ton of talent still waiting to be picked in the second round. So I was super excited about the second round and the possibilities of who the Bears could be taking uh, at number 39. It ended up being a guy that many expected to go mid-first round. We got him early in the second, and he's going to come in and be a day one starter for us. And Anthony Miller, he's really the only question mark as far as the guy that I don't know. I learned a lot about Roquan Smith during the college football playoff, and the guy was everywhere making plays and you know tackles and so on and so forth, looking forward to seeing him wreak some havoc in the NFC North, among other places uh, in the league wearing bear colors, that's going to be awesome. So, and then Anthony Miller, we'll see if he can live up to the, to the price that we paid to get him. And if he can be a key contributor in his first couple of seasons, uh, with the bears and, and, and be worthy of the trade that we made to, to get him on our roster. So, um, you know, super excited. The only real news that I have was the, um, the fact that, you know, Uh, I almost did a knee-jerk reaction at the end of the first round because Ian Rappaport, I was watching the NFL Network uh, version of the draft, Ian Rappaport come in saying that, uh, oh, yeah, there are teams trying to trade back into the first round. One is the Raiders. The other is the Bears. It's like, whoa, the Bears trying to get into the first round. The rumor is they were trying to get back into the first round to take Calvin Ridley, who did not go until 26 to the Falcons, a, a great place for him by the way but you know the bears were trying to trade back into the back end of the first round to get Calvin Ridley and add him uh to our repertoire but I guess they couldn't strike a deal or uh, or anything like that uh it was not meant to be and then the wide receiver that we were after we ended up taking in the second round uh with Anthony Miller but dude talk about a killer first round If the Bears were able to move back into the back end of the first to take Calvin Ridley to go along with Roquan Smith, we got our impact player on defense and a guy that's going to be making a difference on offense in Ridley. That would have been huge uh, for the Bears. I mean, that would have just been awesome. Uh, You know, I I shudder to think what we would have had to give up to move back into the first round. Um, But, um, you know, that's definitely an intriguing possibility and what we could have done there and what would the Bears have done after uh, you know making a move like that but uh, very exciting to see that unfortunately it was not meant to be uh, the, the chips fell where they did and we got ourselves some good football players and James Daniels and um, Anthony Miller uh, in the second round along with the guys that I'm going to be talking about here with Scott Wright so that's all that I have uh, for the for my knee-jerk reactions and and whatnot not at all the bitter bastard that I was a year ago, not happy with any of our draft choices. I like that we got Eddie Jackson, but he wasn't the safety that I wanted. And we got him like 112 picks after I wanted us to take one. So, uh, you know, as good as it was, Trubisky turned out to be the guy that he was. Tariq Cohen was way better a pick than we ever thought he could be. Uh, and, of course, Eddie Jackson being a stud for us, uh, uh, you know, in, in the safety position uh, and everything. That class turned out a lot better than, than we all thought it was. We, You know, I've, my knee-jerk reaction to that class a year ago was that this is a 2018 class. This is a wait-and-see class. These are guys we won't probably won't expect to see anything from until a year or two down the road and injuries and whatnot forced all those guys into action right away and they made their marks for us and now we've got this new crop you know, we got some more guys that are going to be thrown into the lineup right away, and some other guys that we're probably going to see in special teams and contribute in other ways. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see this. And damn the Bears every year for putting me in this spot and you know making me excited and and one of those people that can't wait for the season to start as we enter that long period of time for the next three and a half months before we actually get to see some decent football again. So, anyway. And now I'm going to step aside even though I've eaten up so much time already had a great conversation with Scott Wright we broke down all the fun stuff that happened in the draft focused on our bears and even talked about our undrafted free agents as Scott and I review the 2018 NFL draft. And with the final pick uh, taking place on Saturday, we close the book on the 2018 NFL Draft, and to help us make heads and tails of it, not just for the Bears, but for the rest of the league as well, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com, here to help us out once again. What's going on, Scott?
0: I'm doing excellent. Uh, It's hard to believe the draft has come and gone, but now we get to talk about what actually did happen.
1: Do you have any draft rituals? I'm sure I've asked you that before, but do do you have, like, a... I mean, do you have a bunch of people over, or is it just something like you, you and your solitude enjoying the event on your own? How do you, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, I just kind of dork out, and especially the first night, I, I do like a draft diary or running diary with my initial thoughts on every pick. So, so that usually keeps me busy during the first round. I, uh, I'm usually about three, four picks behind, trying to catch up. But my favorite day of the draft is day two, uh, just mm. because there's still so much talent available. Most of the guys that were being talked about as first rounders at one point, so. I really like this new uh, this new draft setup. In fact, not only do I like the three days, I'd wish they'd expand it over three weeks. I wish they would do wait round one one week, round two and three another week, and then right rounds another week. So oh, really give us time in between to dissect.
1: Oh God, that would just be awful. <laughs> I would not want to do that. Oh wow. I mean I'm I'm still I'm still the guy that wishes they were doing it on Saturday and Sunday and banging it out over the weekend as opposed to the whole prime time. Uh, thing, but as we were just talking about a second ago before we started recording, um, apparently it doesn't matter what I think because 45 million people over the course of the three days watched the draft, the most watched uh, event in the history of of the draft.
0: They're doing something right, yeah, uh, and it's just incredible how much popular it keeps getting. And and obviously I understand, but I mean when I first started becoming a fan of the draft back in the early to mid 90s, it was it was such a niche thing. I mean people mm-hmm. didn't even know what the NFL draft. Was was i'd have to explain to them and i said it must be kind of similar to how comic book fans feel where once they were this little subsection of the country and now all of a sudden they have the biggest movie openings in the entire history of the world so uh the nfl draft i don't i don't think we're going to get to marvel avengers uh, level with the nfl draft but <laughs> it, it amazes me every year though really how it gets more popular and uh i don't see any signs stopping i mean it's the perfect mix of college and pro football and you add in all the intrigue with the trades and uh it's just uh, it's perfect
1: yeah, you know, um, my uh, football and movie-loving worlds intersected on Thursday because after I got done watching the first round of the draft, I did go to a late screening of the uh, of the Avengers on Thursday night. So I killed two birds with one stone. Did not get to bed until very early. <laughs> I waited until Sunday. I saw, did I, saw, you? I saw. I waited until okay. Sunday
0: afternoon to see it. I managed to avoid all spoilers.
1: Oh, yeah! I didn't think I would be able to. That's why I had to just get it out of the way. And and, and get it done. So I didn't want somebody to ruin it for me uh, by accident. But, um, you know, speaking of Thursday night, uh, plenty of fireworks, lots of excitement, you know, uh, surprises and so on and so forth, starting right at the very top. I mean, the rumors were there. People were talking about the Browns being serious about Mayfield. Did you think that they would actually pull the trigger on that?
0: yeah I mean that last 24 hours leading up to the draft it was certainly out there uh yeah I kind of filed it under that I'll believe it when I see it category and I saw it <laughs> um and you know I th- they went Browns again uh, and, and I'm rooting for I, I root for the Browns fans they deserve a winner and I like Baker Mayfield I'm not a hater of his by any stretch I, right but I, I just think the odds are stacked against him I think the Browns made the the absolute riskiest decision they possibly could have made with number one overall and you know, the NFL draft process, it's it's information gathering, and the reason you gather all the information is so you can weed out these red flags and warning signs, and the Browns kind of went in the opposite direction where they just went the guy who had the most of them. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, his his biggest fans are going to say, well, he's the next Brett Favre, but tell me who's been Brett Favre before, during, or after. I mean, Brett Favre is kind of a one-of-a-kind thing. So if that's your case, that you think he's going to be Brett Favre, good luck to you. That, th- those are long odds. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and I think we're going to find out sooner rather than later. I mean, he's a redshirt senior. He's 23 years old. It's not like Sam Darnold, who was a 20-year-old redshirt sophomore. Mayfield should be able to get plugged in and play right away, and I think it's going to be like with Johnny Manziel. We're going to find out pretty quickly how how well his game translates to the next level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was, uh, you know, in my very limited exposure to Baker Mayfield, which was mostly just the the SEC championship and the, the first round of the of the college football playoff, that game against Georgia, you know, I, I definitely admired him as a football player. You know, I definitely like that uh, you know, the it factor that he has, his teammates seem to respond to him uh and everything like that. And um he to me, in, in my very limited scouting exposure, uh would have to say he's probably of the quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson, is probably the one that had the biggest boom or bust factor to him, don't you think?
0: Well, and that's why I had him rated where I did. Baker Mayfield is my fourth quarterback and number twenty player overall. And just to put that in perspective, my fifth quarterback and number twenty-one overall player was Lamar Jackson, who went mm-hmm. with the last pick, of the first round. And I lumped them together just because there are so many question marks about them. They're they're so unorthodox. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, the, the, and, and the Browns they had such a golden opportunity with those two top four picks and. You know, there's debate about what they did at number four with Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State. But that's defendable. It all comes down to number one. And the old saying about turning lemons into lemonade, the Browns might have taken lemonade and turned it into lemons, I'm afraid. So we'll see how (laughs) it plays out. But uh, it just stuns me that they would take a guy with so many concerns. But he obviously did a really good job. He sold John Dorsey and that organization that he was the guy. And it's going to be fun to watch play out.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see where it goes, and I like you. um, You know, I I I, uh, am rooting for the Browns to to come out from underneath whatever the hell's been hanging over them since they became a franchise again uh, in '99. I mean, it's just aside from like their lone uh, playoff season in like 2002, it's just been one disaster after another uh, for the Browns, or one failure after another, one one high pick after another that's been a joke and i think it was what every pick since 2012 that they had in the first round none of them are on the team anymore or you know things like that i mean it's just been one huge disaster after another for them and and i cut my teeth in the late 80s on on football and that's when it was the browns and the broncos in the championship game back to back years i mean some of the most classic football games have been played uh cleveland was in them and, and i would like to see them in that position once again at some point right
0: yeah, absolutely. And like we talked about, those fans deserve a winner. They're just such a loyal fan base. And I don't know what it is. If there's just something in the water there, they cannot get it right. But I guess if nothing else, the law of averages is in their favor at this point. They're due to hit one.
1: I guess so. you know, Or they really like being at the top of the draft board uh, there. And then it's like the, the fireworks didn't stop there. Um, you know, everyone thought that, you know, what What are the Giants going to do at two now? There's Darnold's there. He wasn't supposed to be, or at least no one thought he was going to be. I mean, they had their pick. I mean, they it, by your estimation, they still had, the uh, the even at number two, they still had their chance at the best players available, even, you know, because you had Mayfield at 20 on your board. So, I mean, they had Chubb, they had Barkley, they had Darnold. Any one of the quarterbacks, not Baker Mayfield, they had a shot at. And they instead went with uh, Saquon Barkley, letting everybody know that they that Eli's still their guy.
0: Yeah, yep. And, and and I think Sam Darnold was the only quarterback being available that could even make them hesitate. But obviously they went with Saquon Barkley. And you know, leading up to the draft, their general manager Dave Gettleman was just effusive in his praise and love for Saquon Barkley. And I said, well, he's either running some sort of game or he's a really bad poker player. And as it turns out, I think I want to play poker with Dave Gettleman because he didn't do a very good job of of masking his feelings or who he was targeting he wanted saquon barkley all along and they got him and he's going to come in and and he's going to make an instant impact and as with any running back take at the top of the draft you're going to win the first contract you're going to win the first three four five years but Mm -hmm. the problem is the back end year nine ten when this maybe franchise quarterback is plugging along and eli manning's two years retired and you're in quarterback purgatory that's where the trouble comes in so uh, we'll see in the long run if it was a white decision, right decision. If it were me, I would have got the quarterback, no question about it. I just don't know when you're going to be in that situation, have that opportunity again. I would have taken Darnold there and not thought twice. And if Darnold had been gone, I would have taken Rose, Josh Rosen from UCLA. So, uh, but but like we talked about, the the Giants were fully committed to the uh, uh, to Eli Manning, and they feel he's got a few years left. So so we'll see how it works out for them, and and certainly having. Saquon Barkley in the backfield is going to make it a lot easier, life a lot easier on Eli Manning. And then they also did a good job too with their second pick. They took Will Hernandez, yes. a big mauling offensive guard from Utah, one of my favorite prospects in this draft and uh, a first round grade in my mind. So I think the Giants, their first three picks, compare favorably with anybody's.
1: Yeah, I mean their second and third round pick were, were guys that I would have been very happy to see in bear uniforms, uh, in Hernandez and uh, Lorenzo Carter. Uh right. there in the third round. I mean, did anybody have a stronger first three picks than the Giants did? I mean, they really seemed to to knock it out of the park as, as far as getting top level talent with those choices.
0: No, absolutely. And, and and Lorenzo Carter, he was a guy that I liked too, and I thought maybe he had a chance to sneak into that back part of the first round. And uh, I mean they needed some speed and athleticism in that defensive front seven and they got a linebacker who was six five, two fifty, he runs a four four and has some untapped pass rush potential. So, yeah, I mean, I think they were probably thrilled to get him there. And uh, I, like I say, I mean, their, their top three picks, I, I would struggle to come up with another top three picks that were better. Uh, I can maybe throw a couple more that were in the conversation, but uh, just a terrific job with that day one and day two performance.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with what the Giants did. And it, the, the other thing that was more impressive is that it was very – very Ozzie Newsome-like where the picks came to them instead of them having to trade this or go up here and give this away to be able to get those guys. All three of those guys fell to the Giants in those positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another team that I really liked what they did was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think their top three picks uh, were excellent with Taven Bryan, uh, the defensive tackle from Florida, DJ Chark, the wide receiver from LSU, and Ronnie Harrison, the safety from Alabama, and, and then Baltimore too. I mean, Ozzie Newsome, his final draft in baltimore to me in the 20 years i've been covering the draft he's been the gold standard for mm-hmm. general managers in the draft nobody's consistently gotten value for their picks as well as ozzie newsome over the years and this year was another classic example of that and, and really all throughout he got help for the immediate future and the long-term future
1: yeah i was uh i've, I've always said that about newsome myself but in more and more so more so of a uh a bitter tone that like can you believe the players that just keep falling into this guy's lap I mean you know did, did, did he sign a deal with the devil or something like that it just like he's never really had to go and get somebody he's definitely made moves from time to time uh, I mean Lamar Jackson being an example trading back into the first round to pick him but usually Ozzie Newsom just lucks out by having these guys fall into his lap and then he puts them on the field and oh look at that the guy was a stud that probably should have been drafted sooner than he was
0: and, I mean, he I've always said over the years, he takes advantage of other people's mistakes. I mean, yeah. going back to, you, you want to take Lawrence Phillips ahead of John Ogden? I'll take John Ogden. Ray Lewis is too small for you? I'll take Ray Lewis and just go <laughs> on and on, on and on. Ed Reed, Todd Heap. I mean, the, the number of picks he's had. And he's had some misses, too. Uh, we all do. And even the best of them, like Ozzy, But, I mean, just the consistency over the years has been incredible. And um, they're one of those teams that, when they're on the clock, it's pretty safe to say they're going to take one of my highest rated players available.
1: So with the, the 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 rest of the top four, you know, um, no surprise that that Darnold went to the Jets. They they moved up the three to take a quarterback, and with uh, with Mayfield off the board, and um, I mean Mayfield was was a lot, who a lot of people had kind of tied him to because they thought Darnold wasn't going to be there, but there he was at three, and then Cleveland surprises again, passing on Bradley Chubb and taking uh, Denzel Ward, and the the word is that they had an like an equal grade on Chubb and Ward and went with the, the, the bigger need in, in quarterback with, uh, with Ward. And what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. And the jets, I'm sure had to have been overjoyed to get Darnold at number right. three. Uh, and that's what would be disconcerting to me if I were a Browns fan. The fact that all these other teams were lining up for Darnold, he was their top quarterback, the Broncos. That's the guy they he wanted. Uh, people were trying to trade up for him. So, that would be a little disconcerting but a great job by the jets to get him there and it'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to get in the lineup because uh, and cuz like i said he's 20 years old he's a redshirt sophomore the longer they can let him incubate the better uh, and boy does he have a great guy to mentor him yeah. in Josh McCowan who at this point i think i think he's mentored every quarterback in the nfl currently at this point he's Just been around so long
1: yeah so i, mean, uh, uh, I have yeah. i have ties to Josh McCown, not personally but uh, I was uh, at Western Illinois and we traveled down to Sam Houston state to play against him. And he smoked my guys, uh, for the, to the tune of like 48 to 17 or something like that. I mean, he was just, he was a beast that day and, and tore up. It's
0: amazing. He's stuck around as long as he has.
1: Yeah, it really is. And, uh, even being, even after being out of the league for a year or two, at least before the bears pulled him off the street. And then all of a sudden he's, he's got new life again. And he's, uh, You know then 2013 happened and he's he's had a job no matter what since then um so it's been amazing the the career that that guy's had
0: um you asked too about the Browns at number four and that was definitely a little bit of a surprise but I can justify it I mean clearly corner was a greater need for the Browns uh Denzel Ward was the clear-cut top cornerback in this draft and if he didn't go there he was going to go a handful of picks later so I can justify that, especially since, like they said, they had an equal grade on him and Bradley Chubb, and I can see that. I mean, Bradley Chubb—he's not Jadavian Clowney or Miles Garrett. He's not that type of elite talent and pass rusher. I've compared him all along to Chris Long, who's had a really nice NFL career. But I mean, I think you might want to aim higher at the top of the draft potentially. So uh, I don't give—I don't have a huge problem with them taking Denzel Ward at four, especially since it addresses a need and they got a good player. But I mean, the success or failure of this draft and really the next. Half a decade for the Cleveland Browns. It's going to fall on Baker Mayfield's shoulders.
1: So, I mean, uh, you know, and, and when, it, when he got to five, when Chubb got to five, I was screaming for Pace to make a move and go up. And, and get there. that was the one player that I would have been okay with the Bears jumping up to get. And that was Bradley Chubb because we do need another pass rusher on the other side of, uh, of Leonard Floyd. But uh, apparently the, it was just too good a deal for the Broncos to pass up. They pick him. Then my heart was broken again one pick later when the Colts took Quentin Nelson uh, off of the board, so that eliminated that from happening. Then our very first trade, we thought might happen at four. We thought we might see it at five. The first trade doesn't happen until seven when the Bills jump up to take Josh Allen.
0: And word is they had a deal with the Broncos to go up to five, but when Bradley Chubb was there, uh, the Broncos decided we're just going to take him. And uh, The cool thing about that pick and along with a couple others in the first round is we often hear teams talk about Taking the best player available, but usually what it means is best player available at a position in need.
1: Mm-hmm. There were
0: a few teams this year that I think actually did go best player available, whether it be the Broncos with Chubb, the Dolphins with Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, the Jaguars with Taven Bryan. So uh, kudos to those teams. Uh, And and the Bills, we knew they were going to trade up. It was just a matter of how high and for which quarterback. And they had enough draft capital to do whatever they wanted. And they were able to do it very reasonably. At one point, there was talk of them maybe moving up to number two and maybe having to give up just this king's ransom of multiple first, second, third-round picks. And they didn't even have to give up their their second, first-round pick uh, to move up a few spots. And they got the quarterback they wanted and Josh Allen. And there again, the longer they can let him sit behind A.J. McCarron, the better. Uh, and let him learn because he is very much a project, but talented as the day is long. And uh, good job by not only them, but the, you know I'm sure we'll talk about too, the Arizona Cardinals a little later. Might as well lump all these quarterbacks in together, moving <laughs> up from 15 to 10 at a very reasonable cost to get Josh Allen. I mean, uh, just a, a great move by the Cardinals. I think you could very easily make a case that Josh Rosen was the best quarterback in this draft if you're comfortable with him, his intangibles as a person. Uh, and, and I think we're going to look back on this 10 years from now and say, how did Josh Rosen last all the way to number 10 overall? Uh, so usually for a team like the Cardinals, where they are as an organization, they should be in quarterback purgatory. They should not have access to a talent at the quarterback position like Josh Rosen without giving up the farm. You know, three future first round picks or what have you. Like the Rams did for Jared Goff, for the Eagles, for Carson Wentz. They got him for, a, what was it, a third round pick or something? Uh, whatever it was, they got a deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then, um, you know, we go to eight with the Bears, and they get Roquan Roquan Smith. I mean, literally everyone that had been kind of linked to the Bears ex- outside of maybe Tremaine Edwards, or Edmonds, excuse me, was gone at that point. Chubb was gone, Denzel Ward was gone, Nelson was gone, and there the Bears are sitting at eight, and, um, you know, probably the best player that was still on their board, Roquan Smith, taking, and there's been nothing but praise being shined on the Bears since making this pick because this guy – could be the next Urlacher as far as the guy that's sitting in the middle of that defense that everybody's going to have to worry about.
0: Yeah. Mike Singletary, you think of a long storied history of of linebackers in Chicago and they got a good one. Uh, And I think the reason you don't hear a lot much, if any criticism of it is because everybody liked Roquan Smith. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was as fun of a prospect as there was to evaluate in this class. He just flies all over the field, makes plays sideline to sideline he's got the athleticism you need to, to be a factor in, in space and coverage uh, in today's NFL. So uh, just a, a really, really nice pick for them, especially considering the guys who had already come off the board. And I think once Quentin Nelson was gone, it was pretty obvious they were going to be looking defense. It was just a matter of would it be linebacker or defensive back. And I mean, Roquan Smith, I think he has to be the early favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Um, yeah, Luke Kuechly was taken right about the same spot, maybe a pick later when he came out of college and he had that type of instant impact. And uh, I don't think it's it's wrong to expect that type of impact from Roquan Smith. I think he's going to have a terrific rookie season and just exactly what the Bears need if, need in that defensive front seven. Not only the, the speed and athleticism that he's going to bring, but also the intangibles. He's going to be that field general, uh, uh, that that extension of the coaching staff, and uh, just a, an impact player on defense for them.
1: Yeah, they were showing pictures of the war room, and and I don't think you could have you know you know cut the smile off of Vic Fangio's face when they were able to uh you know to call that name uh and and take him off the board and and bring him home to chicago i mean it was uh i mean charlie casserly himself on the nfl network said exactly what you said he's the early favorite for defensive rookie of the year talking about a guy going to the best spot for him and uh being in the best position to make an impact which is what you want when you're picking in the top 10 you're looking for somebody who's going to come in and make an immediate mark on your franchise
0: Especially a player like that. I mean, it's somewhat rare for off-the-ball linebackers who aren't also pass rushers to go that early. And I mentioned Luke Kuechly, but he's kind of the exception. Uh, it doesn't even happen every year. The average of less than one one off-the-ball inside linebacker or linebacker who doesn't rush the passer goes in the top half of the first round on a yearly basis, much less the top 10 overall. So pretty rarefied error for that position. But if there was an exception, it should be Roquan Smith because he is one heck of a player.
1: So as we get outside the top 10, we got Rosen after the the Cardinals make that great trade to move up to get him. Um, Some people surprised that, uh, I mean, there were already, what, four quarterbacks off the board at this point? Um, Yep. But some surprised that the Dolphins didn't didn't try to get a quarterback, or maybe they did, or I didn't hear any rumors about them trying to make moves or anything. But they go defense and get Fitzpatrick off the board. Vita Vea goes to um, Tampa Bay. Duron thir- Daron Payne goes to Alabama, joining Jonathan Allen there. And then the first like whoa moment of the first round with the Saints giving up a first round pick next year and all the other draft capital they gave up to move up to 14 with Drew Brees in the twilight of his career. Everybody thought, well, this is the Saints making a move for Lamar Jackson. It's right in the middle of the first round where a lot of people thought he might go in the first place. And then they take Marcus Davenport, that uh, defensive end from Texas San Antonio, which was really like one of those first, first picks that really kind of blew everybody's hair back uh, with, with what they gave up and who they ended up choosing. Because like you and I have talked about many times before, when you're moving up and you're giving away you know, future picks, you're giving away the farm, as you like to say, um, you're doing that for a quarterback, not for a defensive end that a lot of people list as a project.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was my thought process when I saw they trade up. I thought, well, here comes Lamar Jackson. That's the guy they had been linked to. That's who I gave them in my final mock draft. Uh, but then they went with Marcus Davenport. And, and my criticism was the same. Uh, I think you hit the nail right in the head. They paid quarterback prices to move up for a non-quarterback. And um, they're, they're going to try to load up and make one more run with Drew Brees. And if Marcus Davenport maxes his potential, he's going to be worth everything they paid and then some. The problem is he's just a little bit of a project. Um, he's he's going to take some patience, uh, but super talented. 6'6", 260-plus pounds. Ran a four five eight. You can stand him up. You can you can even play him on the interior of the defensive line. You can do a little bit of everything. All the potential in the world, and I think he became a much more valuable commodity in this draft too because it wasn't a great crop of pass rushers, mm-hmm. especially once Bradley Chubb came off the board so early. So I think that led to Davenport getting pushed up a little bit, maybe, but. It definitely addresses a need. They needed speed and athleticism on that defensive front seven and another pass rusher to team with Cam George. So it makes sense. It's just a matter of what they paid. And I think they're playing with fire to a certain degree by waiting so long to bring in an heir apparent to Drew Brees. And I I was just thinking after the draft that, okay, so they use this first-round pick on Davenport. Next year's is gone. So then, by three years from now, Drew Brees' his career might be done. They might have to trade the next three to get the quarterback. Right. They might only have one more first-round pick in the next half a decade or six years or so. But uh, we'll see what they do. Uh obviously, they're they're trying to make one more run. They're not looking at the future, but they got to be careful because if some when Drew Brees is gone, that could fall off a cliff in a real big hurry.
1: Yeah, that's what um, you know. Guys like uh, Kuiper and. Uh... And and Mike Mayock and, and, and the rest of them like the Lewis Riddick and all those guys, the analysts and such that were fo- the you know calling the draft and everything, is that obviously the Saints think they're further along or closer to a Super Bowl than they are further away for them to make a move like this. Uh, to not say like okay, well we're going to go and get that quarterback because you know we still have some work to do or whatever. Obviously they're encouraged by the fact they made the playoffs last year and that they feel like they have a team around Breeze that can protect him enough and bring him along that they go ahead and make a move like that and and surrendering a part of their future uh, to be able to to make this move uh, to get from to go from twenty seven to fourteen uh, to get Marcus Davenport. So it was it was a bold move to say the to say the very least so um would you agree that derwin james is probably one of the better value picks in the first round this is a guy that was rumored to go like in the top 10 to tampa bay and places like that and he falls into the lap of the chargers at 17
0: yeah i think so although if he when he didn't go to tampa bay I uh, wasn't necessarily shocked to see him fall because there just weren't a lot of teams that had a, a huge need at that position but i'm glad to see the chargers go out and bring him in because that's been a position that they've had issues at for a long time. Even back when they had Eric Weddle, they always struggled to find somebody to team up with him. Uh, And since he's been gone, it's been even more of a problem area. So Derwin James, he's a, he's a culture setter on the defensive side of the ball. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think of him as maybe like a bigger, uh, maybe even more physically talented uh, Jamal Reed, Eric Berry. I think he can have that type of presence on a defense so uh, a really good pick for them to get to him at 17, because as you talked about, he could have very easily gone as early as number seven overall to the Buccaneers, and, and I don't think anybody would have batted in an eye.
1: And then, uh, you know, number one, the Bears did not take Leighton Van Der Esch at number eight. They did go with a linebacker, <laughs> but they didn't take Leighton Van Der Esch. He falls to 19 uh, with the Cowboys, so I don't have to play you my hellfire and brimstone <laughs> knee-jerk reaction that I recorded uh, on the night of the draft. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that with basically every every receiver available was still on the board when the when the Cowboys picked. But instead of going with Ridley or DJ Moore or anybody else, they went with uh, Vander Esch at linebacker, uh, arguably as, as big a need as wide receiver. But, you know, Vander not the best linebacker on the board and the best wide receivers were there being, you know, waiting to be taken. And they went with the linebacker instead.
0: Van Der Esch was their guy. I mean, he was the one they had targeted. I think that was one of the more poorly kept secrets leading up to the draft that if he was there, that's the direction they were going to go. Not only did they like the player, but they had a, a need at that position. So uh, definitely that one didn't surprise me. And, and the wide receiver situation, though, uh, we only had, we wound up with two wide receivers going to the first round a little bit later. Uh, but I had said all along this was the type of year where I, I want to take advantage of that depth, and the Cowboys did eventually take Michael Gallup from Colorado State in the third round who has a chance to be, I think, be a vertical threat and really help them out down the red zone. Not as big as Des Bryant, but really good ball skills. He can go up and get the ball and kind of has that, that desire uh, to win those 50-50 balls. So, uh, but this wide receiver class was, was was kind of interesting. It was one of those positions where I don't think there was a lot of consensus.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, there, you're you're right. I mean, I, the, in the beginning of the, the process, there was Calvin Ridley, at least in the top 10, and then you know you were seeing maybe Cortland Sutton, excuse Cortland Sutton in the first, the top half of the first round, and the first wide receiver doesn't come off the board until 24 when the Panthers take uh, DJ Moore. So I mean it was uh, quite a surprise. And then the first, for the first player to come off the board I was like who was the Seattle Seahawks taking Rashad Penny at 27. And I don't do the, the homework that you do, obviously. I have no idea who the hell Rashad Penny is, but I know he's a first-round pick for the Seattle Seahawks now.
0: To me, that was the biggest surprise of the first round, and just because he was the one player that went in the first round that I had not heard in any way, shape, or form being mentioned in that range. Even Terrell Edmonds, the safety from Virginia Tech, who went to the Steelers, I had heard somebody mention the last couple weeks prior to the draft, maybe he sneaks in there. No such rumors about Rashad Penny. I like the pick. I mean, he was, he was my guy. I mean, for the two months leading up to the draft, whenever I talked about Saquon Barkley, I would always say about philosophically, I believe in waiting on running backs. And, and if I were looking for the next Kareem Hunt or Alvin Kamara, the guy I'd be targeting on day two this year is Rashad Penny. Well, he wound up going in the in the first round, but really good all around player. Uh, the only thing he needs to clean up is the pass protection, but um, he, uh, certainly Saquon Barkley is going to be the front runner for rookie of the year. But after him, I think Penny's going to have have a say in that, and he's going he's got a good chance as anybody not named Saquon Barkley. So uh, I like that pick. I was uh, that was definitely the surprise of the first round to me, but um, a, a player I'm definitely a fan of. He's 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 big. He's fast. Also, an outstanding return man, and doesn't have a lot of miles on his tires either, because he waited for three years behind Donnell Pumphrey. So uh, I like that pick for the Seahawks, but it, it absolutely surprised me.
1: And then we move into we'll just skip over the last few picks. We move into the second round, and the the Browns go ahead and surprise me again, at least with Will Hernandez still on the board. The guard that they went with was Austin Corbett instead was. Was that a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other thing, or do you think they missed out on the best guard, the best interior lineman still available on the board?
0: Well, I I think they're planning to play Corbett at left tackle, Uh, and and he did play tackle in college. Uh, I question whether he has the ability to do it in the NFL, but he is a pretty good athlete. Uh, I saw him down at the senior bowl up close and personal, and I thought he looked far better inside at guard and center than he did at tackle, but... But time will tell. He was a really good player, though. Another one of my personal favorites. He was in my top 32 overall, so no problem with the value, and they got a really good football player. I'm just not sure exactly where he's going to fit if he doesn't work out at left tackle, but um, a really good player. And and Will Hernandez, I had a higher grade on, but they weren't looking for a true guard. Uh, I think that came down to their specific situation and the type of player they were looking for. Uh, Hernandez definitely does not give you that option of kicking him outside to tackle.
1: And uh, you were definitely right in that mock draft that I looked at just before I had you on for the preview. You were saying that, um, you know, there was going to be first round value all the way into the 50s uh, in the second round. I mean, and just looking at some of the names that came off the board uh, in in the second round, you got, uh, you know, Cortland Sutton didn't go. I want to keep saying Sutton for some reason. Uh, Cortland Sutton uh, didn't go off the board until, you know, what is that? Forty. Forty, yeah, forty. Right after the Bears pick Daniels at thirty-nine, Sutton, Sutton comes off the board at thirty-nine. Harold, or we at forty, Harold Landry, forty-one. Right after that, uh, your number one tight end, um, Dallas Goddard, goes at, in the, at number seventeen uh, in the in the second round. So the middle of the second round, he finally comes uh, off the board. I mean, there was just uh, you were right; it was a very deep draft as far as like top level talent making it midway into the second round.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, at at Jesse Bates III, the safety from Wake Forest. He was mentioned as a late round one possibility. Darius Geis was there at number fifty nine overall, the running back from LSU, landing in a great situation with Washington. James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State, was there at sixty for the Steelers. All these guys at one point were being talked about as first rounders. So, yeah, uh, you know that, that was really the strength of the stat this draft day, day two, that second and third round, and um, and I, I think that proved out. We saw what type of of talent was available, even even well into the third round. I mean, Harrison Phillips was a late third round pick, the defensive tackle from Stanford. So there was just, this was a really good draft in large part because the record number of underclassmen.
1: And there was uh, even that, um, the the tackle or lineman from Ohio State, what was his name? Hubbard?
0: Sam Hubbard, yes. Sam Hubbard.
1: He went in the third round, didn't he?
0: Yep, absolutely. He lasted until the Bengals at 77. And I think that was one of the steals of the draft. I think Cincinnati did a nice job with this draft as well. So yeah, there, there were some good players that lasted a lot longer than we expected them to, as there always
1: is. So let's talk about the good players that ended up on my team, because uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the way that the draft uh, turned out for my beloved Chicago Bears. And, um, you know, we we, we we talked about Roquan Smith. We gave him his due. Um, in the second round, we go and we get James Daniels, um, if arguably one of the best interior linemen in this draft. Depending on who you talk to, he might actually... Uh, be the best. Uh, somebody who was also rumored to be in like the late teens, early 20s of the first round lasts all the way to 39 uh, for the Bears, and they're going to play him at guard, according to Ryan Pace. They're going to start him at guard. Cody Whitehair stays at center, and there's the inside of your offensive line for the Chicago Bears.
0: Yeah, they missed out on Quentin Nelson, but they were still able to address that offensive line, which I think was a wise move. And They got a good one in Daniels, who was my number one center. I had a first-round grade on him. And uh, that versatility to play center or guard is definitely a feather in his cap. Really well coached, coming out of Kirk Farron's program, and he's going to be a plug-and-play starter for them. So uh, a really good pick. And when he was still available on the second day for the second day of the draft, I do a mock draft uh, for the second and third round with who's still available, and that's who I actually had going to the Bears. I, I think saw he was that the guy. They had uh, targeted and identified as a potential fit, and uh, I think it was terrific value because uh, as we talked about, he could have gone. We had two centers that went 20 and 21 overall. If Daniels yeah. had gone in either one of those spots, I don't think anybody would have batted in an eye.
1: Right. And then uh, the, the for for Bear fans, the big shock of the, of the weekend for us was uh, not expecting to see the Bears make a pick again until Saturday because we didn't have a third-round pick. And there they are just 12 picks later at 51, trading back into the second round with the Patriots, giving up next year's number two. Not a huge fan of that, but what are you going to do? taking wide receiver Anthony Miller off the board from from Memphis and this was the first guy that we took that I'm like I've never really heard of Anthony Miller before so but all that I've heard since then some of the comparisons that the analysts are making um, I'm happy that we got this guy
0: yeah really good well-rounded player player former walk on uh, I had heard that maybe there were some health issues that could cause him to drop but he didn't slide at all it wound up being a, a second round pick and I think the upside is somewhat limited there I don't know that he profiles as a go-to target. He's probably more of a complimentary number two, number three receiver in the NFL. But if Allen Robinson works out like he's supposed to, that's what they're looking for. So he's going to have an opportunity to come in and make an impact right away, uh, which is always risky business with ro- rookie wide receivers, especially in recent years, it seems like. Uh, so they probably don't want to put too many eggs in his basket. But I, I think it was clear after they-, they got that impact player on defense with their first pick, their next two decisions were revolved around getting help for Mitchell Trubisky. And and, and that the name of the game because the bears will go as mitchell Trubisky goes
1: amen to that and then we get into day three and the first pick of day three i actually needed help from you uh yeah. for this i even thanked you on twitter when i went to your pronunciation guide on your website to find joel eway ea booney the Got inside it. linebacker from western kentucky uh tell me about this guy
0: yeah, there's some similarities to Roquan Smith there to a certain degree. Obviously a very poor man's Roquan Smith, but another guy who's undersized. He's only 6'1", 230, but very fast. He ran a 4'6", flat to the combine. and super productive. Uh, another one of those guys who kind of flies around the field and makes plays, uh, can play inside or outside. So uh, a good pick, and I think that continues the trend that they needed speed and athleticism in that defensive front seven. Uh, that was a priority. Uh, so, so I think uh, between Roquan Smith and EA Booneyway, uh, they definitely brought in uh, a, a big upgrade in both of those departments at linebacker.
1: And for those of you sweating bullets over trying to pronounce this guy's name over and over again, they call him Iggy. So go. his nickname is Iggy, so that's what he'll be known as in Chicago because nobody's going to want to fool around with that name and get it wrong over and over again. Um, but yeah, I mean, he adds depth to the linebacker spot. He's insurance because now we have... Now we have Trevathan and Smith, that's the front there. And then behind them, we have Kwiatkowski and now uh, Iggy uh, to add some depth, some youth, and like you said, some speed and athleticism uh, to that linebacking core. So it was a good depth move there and probably see him on special teams maybe yes, to start out. Yes, I was just going to say that, yep. And then um, Bilal Nichols, we have our annual small school guy being drafted, University of Delaware defensive end, so somebody that's going to be playing in the trenches for the Bears.
0: Yeah, a, a jumbo athlete along the defensive line, uh, a guy who can can uh, play different places depending on on the scheme, uh, but but moves really well. Uh, he's he's a classic defensive end, defensive tackle tweener. He'll be a five technique in an odd front, I think, and uh, a solid pick. Good developmental defensive lineman. Uh, I think that's what you're looking at with defensive lineman on day three of the draft. You're looking for for that blend of size and athleticism, and he, and he certainly has that. At over 300 pounds, he ran a sub 5 40 yard dash and. Uh, a player that, not a complete unknown either. We got a good look at him on the all-star circuit. So uh, even though he played at a small school, he kind of proved himself uh, the
1: past few months. And did I hear right, uh, Kylie, number one, is this dude's name really Kylie? Is it short for something that you know of, or is it is he really Kylie?
0: It's Kylie as far as I know. I remember him going back to when he was being recruited out of high school, and it was Kylie back then as well.
1: hmm yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, is is it true what I've been hearing about him, that he probably would have gone higher if not for some injury concerns?
0: Yeah, durability is a huge, huge issue with Kylie Fitz, but uh, he made some money in the pre-draft process. He looked really good at the Senior Bowl. He was one of those guys that I think kind of came out of nowhere and impressed, and then he worked out really well. He ran much better than expected. Uh, he just needs to stay healthy and stay on the f- Deal, uh, but I thought he had a chance to maybe come off the board around earlier. So uh, good pick there in round six, and a guy who maybe gives you a little upside as a as a pass rusher if he can stay healthy, and that's a, a huge if though.
1: What were the What were the issues? And were they small, like nagging things, or was he having serious problems?
0: Uh, the, it, it was a little of both. Uh, he had some injuries that kept him out for a long time, and then he had some nagging stuff too. Uh, just this past year, he only played ten games because uh, he was dealing with some stuff. So. Yeah, and, and then he missed uh, most of twenty sixteen as well. So yeah, it, it was a little bit of both, nagging and major. But uh, but that's why you get him in the sixth round. If he had been healthy, you, you don't get a talent
1: like that. Right. right I mean, so he's one of those guys where the the mind is willing, but the body you know necessarily isn't kind of thing.
0: Right, and, and that's the thing too. You know, there's a lot of these players that don't work out. Phys, football is such a physical game, and you yeah. think in this day and age, well, oh, medical guys can get healthy. Injuries that used to be career enders aren't anymore, but injuries still take their toll. Injuries still ruin a lot of, of talented players' careers, unfortunately, and it's just the nature of the game.
1: Yeah, because there were several guys that you know when I was watching day three uh, of the draft, several times that I hear guys say that you know he was a uh, you know a top level prospect. He came in like a you know a basket of fire in the you know his first couple of years then he got hurt in year number three and he wasn't the same after that you heard that a lot in day three like so-and-so then he he injured this or he twisted this ankle he tore this ligament and he wasn't the same after that that's why he's available at pick 174 or something like that you hear that over and over again that some guys just just lose a step they don't get back when they suffer an injury at, at some point in their career
0: it's a brutal game yeah and like you said there's a pretty much every position you can look at a guy like that like i think nick chubb from georgia i don't think he's quite the same player he was before that injury he had a really productive career and i think he could play in the nfl but i don't think he's quite the same player he was before that knee injury uh louisville had a defensive end named trayvon young who was drafted late similar situation so yeah i mean uh, we kind of take for granted oh rub some dirt on and play through it but uh, <laughs> football is a really really tough game on the body
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And then finally to round out the seven picks for the Bears, Javon Wims. We start with a linebacker from Georgia. We finish with a wide receiver uh, from Georgia. And, um, you know, they always put the packages together to make these guys look like all-stars. But how did this guy fall to the seventh round?
0: Yeah, right. Uh, And and he was going to be a late-round pick. Uh, You know, I think he was in that sixth, seventh-round range. And, And I'm not sure there's that big of a difference between him and a guy the Ravens drafted a couple rounds earlier, Jaleel Scott from New Mexico State. Uh, similar type of tall, rangy athletes. I mean, Javon Wims talked about a guy who's who's got the the length you look for at it. 6'3, 215. He ran a 4'5'3. Uh, he's a former basketball player, so that's the question mark on him. He's just really raw. Uh, he hasn't been playing football for too terribly long, only the past four years or so. Mm. Uh, so, so he's very much a project. Uh, came out of the junior college ranks, so only two years at Georgia, but uh, made some big plays. And he's another one of those. Uh, uh, those downfield uh, threats who can go up and win those jump balls. So his best football is still ahead of him a little bit of a project, but you know, I I think the bears are in a position where they could take a flyer on a guy like that because they have so many question marks at wide receiver still. And I think he'll give them maybe a different dimension than certainly guys like Anthony Miller would or Taylor Gabriel or, or or someone like that.
1: Speaking of interesting draft choices in the seventh round, any thoughts on uh, the Eagles taking that rugby player with their seventh round choice?
0: Yeah, it was interesting. And I remember watching him before the draft, and obviously there's no football tape on him because he doesn't play football, but watching the rugby highlights, and they showed him during the draft, I think, on TV. But, I mean, it's just incredible for a guy that size to run like he does. Uh, I mean, you watch him, and you think you're watching someone who's 6'5", maybe 300 pounds. He's 6'8", 350. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the definition of a project, uh, very much a lottery ticket. But, uh, boy, uh, with talent like that, why not take a flyer, uh, especially if you're in a position of the Eagles where uh, you have don't have a lot of needs, and uh, we'll see if they try to stash him on the practice squad. But they need to start developing a replacement for Jason Peters there. And uh, I mean, he's a, a freakish talent. Uh, the old planet theory in the NFL draft: there's only so many guys on the planet with that type of size and athleticism. Right. So uh, I, I I wasn't shocked that somebody took a flyer on him. He's certainly a much better prospect than that German wide receiver that went earlier in the draft. I was draft just going to ask. Yeah.
1: yeah, I was just going to ask. Is because, you know, I would think that with the way that this guy looked, and I mean, granted, we were looking at rugby highlights where he's just absolutely trucking anything that gets in his direction. But, um, you know, this guy seems a bit more legit and built more for the sport than that wide receiver from Germany was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be fun to watch his transition because it's, it's going to be completely new to him. And uh, his head is going to be swimming. It was fun. to interviewed him during the draft, actually. He was at the draft had yeah. to put the hat on, and it, it was kind of striking how little he knew about the game. It's it's uh you live in live in the United States, and we kind of just take for granted that everybody knows football. But boy, he is he is a newbie in every way way possible. But uh, it'll be fun a fun story to watch. And this draft had a lot of fun stories like that. Yeah, uh, certainly the Shaquem Griffin story ending up with with his twin brother in Seattle. Uh, you, you look at uh, Orlando Brown ending up with the Baltimore Ravens. His dad old organization right. even luke fault the quarterback from uh washington state who just worships up worships tom brady he wound up being selected in the exact same pick number 199 overall that tom right. brady was so yeah this was this was a fun draft for a lot of reasons
1: yeah i was i was you know i there was just something about the draft i was really looking forward to it just just the intrigue of the first round alone was enough to know you know, who's gonna go, who's getting picked, who's making trades and and all the rest of that. Who's gonna surprise who with, you know, like what they picked that guy? I mean, who figured that and, and, and whatnot. And it's like it, it it all kinda comes down to, you know, there is no such thing as a draft expert when you watch the draft. Because a lot of these uh, a lot of these franchises like to make left turns and, and all of a sudden a guy that nobody thought they were associated with becomes the top pick uh in their draft and and, and things like that. Like I don't think anyone had the bills taking Tremaine Edmonds. And, uh, you know, no one had Fitzpatrick going to the Dolphins and things like that. And those things were happening all night long.
0: That's what makes the draft so much fun. Right. Those those things that nobody sees coming. Uh, if we could if we could predict with perfect accuracy, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. But right. that's the thing, too. You know, people who do what I do. We're doing it for 32 teams for no specific scheme or philosophy or mindset. Uh, every one of these these teams was looking for something different in players and a player that some team will have is a, a second round pick. Another team might not even have on their board at all. Cause he just doesn't fit what they do or what they're looking for. So, it's 32 different varying sets of opinions. And I think that's why we see some of the, the strange things we do on draft day. Guys going earlier, later than expected. So, uh, but, but that's, that's what makes it so exciting. And, and that adds that level of intrigue that we all love.
1: Yeah. And, and of those 32 mindsets, how many minds go into the one mindset of the 32 and, and so on and, and so forth. So, so many opinions coming in to take just one person uh, coming off the board. And, and um, you know, what, What some people like and what turns people away and things like, like I heard that one of the Cleveland Brown Scouts was turned off by a story he heard in an airport about Josh Rosen. Then he automatically just rubbed that guy the wrong way. And the next thing you know, the Browns aren't interested in taking him if he's available and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's little weird things like that. And that you know is Baker Mayfield really the best quarterback in the draft, or just the best salesman of himself to convince the Browns that he was their guy? And and you know only time will tell as far as that goes.
0: All of which, why the NFL draft and scouting is very much an art and not a science,
1: right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, let's let's talk about our undrafted uh, free agents. I mean, the Bears went heavy. Uh, on defensive backs we signed 11 guys four of them are going to be dbs uh michael joseph a corner from dubuque which is a division three school that actually recruited my younger brother a few years back um nick Orr, defensive back from tcu but you like um kevin tolliver the corner from lsu and you like uh was it who was the other one font Uh, Joseph, actually. I I like
0: Rashad Fan too. But, yeah, I mean, I think they got a couple of draftable corners in priority free agency with Kevin Tolliver and Michael Joseph. And Tolliver in particular, uh, I think you can make a case he was a third, fourth, fifth-round type of talent. Nice. I mean, he's a big physical cornerback. The problem is character concerns. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Is that going to prevent him from maximizing his his potential? But he's got the talent to play in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. And then Michael Joseph... uh, Last summer, when Phil Savage was doing his road trip scouting for the Senior Bowl, I saw him tweet out that he was at Dubuque, and it made me start thinking, I was like, who's at Dubuque? So I had to start digging and researching, and finally found out, well, it's pretty clear it's going to be this defensive back, and sure enough, he wound up getting an invite to the Senior Bowl. I was a little mildly surprised that that he wasn't selected, I thought he was going to be a late round pick, but uh, an interesting guy who's being looked at maybe as a corner or or safety but the issue with him is his size he's only I think 183 pounds even though mm. he's over six feet tall so doesn't have the the bulk you look for but who knows I mean they don't have a, a huge conditioning program there at Dubuque maybe a couple years in the NFL and he can bulk up so he's an interesting developmental defensive back but I think in terms of somebody who could come in and help them as a rookie and maybe surprise keep an eye on Kevin Tolliver because I absolutely had him in the draftable range and he was a draftable talent it's just concerns about him off the field
1: Anybody else in the group that you liked? We got Niles Morgan from Notre Dame. Uh, That's a linebacker. Andrew Trombetti from uh, defensive end from Notre Dame. Uh, We got a punter, Ryan Winslow from Pitt. Um, Ryan Nall, a running back from Oregon State. Uh, One offensive lineman is a Dijon Allen from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Kevon Walker from Maryland, a defensive lineman.
0: I think the other one that stands out is the other defense back, uh, Rashard Fan. just because, I mean, that's an area where they need help. That's where there's an opportunity for somebody to come in and contribute. And I thought that was a position they were going to address during the draft. Uh, they wound up not going that way, so it was still a need. And I think that it was clear that they still wanted to address it by the way they approached the, their free agency and the guys they brought in. So, uh, Rashard Fan, you know, he's not real big. I think that's the big question about him. It's probably going to limit him to more of a backup role. Might be more. More of a nickel or dime guy, but he's feisty. He's got that little guy, per, little guy uh, persona where he'll come up and hit you, and a uh, uh, type of guy you don't want to bet against. So probably more of a back end of the roster defensive back. But I think those three corners, they, those are the guys that are going to have the best chance to make an impact for the Bears uh, in training camp.
1: So what happens to Scott right now? The draft is over. It's way too early to start thinking about 2019, especially since we're in the, in that, that muck of the section of the offseason where nothing's going to happen until at least July. So what what does Scott Wright do now? Do you take a break? Do you, do you not think about football for a while, or are you cracking tapes and getting ready for 2019?
0: It's absolutely never too early to look ahead to the next NFL draft. It's less than a year away. <laughs> uh, I am counting down to it on the website.
1: Yes, you are.
0: And uh, it's going to be a fun one next year, too, uh, quarterback-wise. Keep an eye on Drew Locke from Missouri. And then the story of next year's draft is going to be the defensive line. It's going to be an all-time defensive line class. Hmm. Uh, Nick Bosa, the defenseman from Ohio State, might be a better prospect than his brother Joey was. And he went third overall.
1: It's saying a lot, considering the stud that Bosa was in college and has been in his first couple of years in the NFL.
0: And then defensive tackles, Ed Oliver from Houston, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, Rashawn Gary from Michigan. Uh, that's going to be the big storyline for the draft right now, but that's part of the process too. We'll see how it develops over the coming months and who emerges, and uh, and that's part of the fun. But otherwise on the site, uh, you can check out. I, I kept a running diary from the first round, and you can read my initial thoughts on all of those first round picks. I've got my top sixty priority free agents uh, up. You can see where they landed. Uh, then I'll have more review stuff coming, and, and then it'll be time to start looking to twenty nineteen and start getting into those guys. And that's my favorite part of this job is just when you get tired of talking about the same, same situations, the same players, you get to turn the page and start fresh.
1: <laughs> so one one last question before I let you go, um, you know, we're saying it's never too early to look ahead. Well, let's look back a year at this point. Was there somebody that you weren't really even thinking about last year at this point, somebody that you weren't even projecting to be drafted, that went in the first 32 this past well, weekend? How,
0: well, how about Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State? He didn't okay. even start for the Buckeyes the year before. He was stuck behind two other first-round picks in Marshawn Ladmore and, and Gary and Conley. So uh, if you're looking for defensive backs, I'd go check out the Buckeyes bench first and foremost. That's, <laughs> that's a good place to start, apparently. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I mean, certainly right, uh, sure. a kid from Texas, San Antonio, going in the top half of the first round. That was pretty extraordinary. So uh, you know, that, that's that's half the fun of this process is finding those guys, uh, seeing those players emerge and um, seeing the, it develop really throughout the process. And, and it very much is a process.
1: Well, Scott, I thank you so much uh, for your time. It's always a lot of fun talking about this before and after the draft to see how things went thankfully this was a favorable draft as far as how i felt things went for the bears so unfortunately you don't get to hear me yell and scream about what the hell are they doing and why would they take this guy when so and so still on the board and so on but there's There's always always next year year. there's always (laughs) next year exactly so they'll they'll find a way to frustrate me or i'll be screaming at the top of my lungs when we could have had so and so in the second round but we gave the pick away kind of thing so We'll see how it goes uh, next year. So we look forward to uh, to having you back and uh, enjoy the process.
0: All right, Larry. Thanks so much for having me.
1: As always, enjoy having Scott Wright on the show. Uh, look forward to having him back on um probably around this time next year you know uh, late uh, late April or getting ready to go into the draft and then back again uh, for the review it's uh, he's been a he's been a friend for a long time and I, and I enjoy the fact that I get to have him uh, on the show uh, once again you know we talked about on the preview uh, I've been having Scott Wright on podcast talk about the draft since 2007 so I mean this goes back quite a ways and uh, it's very cool to be able to continue that. And to to have uh, somebody like him with his knowledge and uh, uh, and and what have you to uh, to come on the show and uh, to share that with us, so I'm I'm really grateful. So um, anyway, I've taken up so much of your time already, over an hour and twenty minutes at this point. I hope you I hope you hear. Um, We, we, we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, get that uh, draft hangover, uh, and, and right when it starts to drive me crazy is to start to think about how many days between now and the start of training camp and the preseason and what have you, that's when we'll start doing the, uh, opponent preview shows so right around the end of the month say you know right either like the week of or the week after um, memorial day probably the week of memorial day like after the holiday that week uh, we'll get started uh, same time we did last year Uh, kicking it off with either the Bucks or the Giants so stick to stick with it on uh, on Twitter at shy bears review Um, send me an email with questions uh, you know anything like that anything you want to know anything you want me to ask our future opponent uh, preview uh, guests and whatnot Chicago Bears review at yahoo.com you can always hit up the uh, Facebook page just search Chicago Bears review on Facebook and uh, that's it I have a Twitter Instagram account but i almost never use it so anyway it's it, it's there but i i don't mess with it but um anyway so that's uh that's it enjoy the break guys enjoy the start of spring now that we in the midwest are actually experiencing spring-like temperatures it's going to be in the 70s all week this week i can't believe it. i almost know, don't know what to do with myself i don't have to freeze my ass off when i go to work in the morning and it's 38 degrees outside in late april so yeah here we are now that we're it's and now that we it's switched from april to may We got the nice temperatures in the mid 70s and and all that kind of stuff. It's been uh, been pretty cool. So anyway, I'm going to enjoy the weather for a couple of weeks and then it's back at it. We got our opponent previews and we tend to drag that one out until it's time for training camp to get started. Then we'll talk about our preseason reviews and then getting into the regular season and this 2018 season that after this offseason with the new coach the new players, the offensive weapons that we finally have for this young quarterback that we think so much of, adding some decent defensive pieces in the draft and everything in between. I can't wait for this season to get started, so the fall can't get here fast enough, number one, because I'm not a summer guy, I never have been, I've always hated summer because it's too damn hot to do anything, or to do anything enjoyable outside anyway, can't wait for the fall to get here, so it's back to football, and the Bears, and two shows a week, the preview, and the review, and so on and so forth, so it'll be here before you know it, but until it gets here, I can't wait for it to do that, so anyway. Keep uh, keep your eyes peeled. The Facebook page, uh, the the Twitter account, at ShyBearsReview, to find out who and when the first opponent preview show will start, and then we'll be off to the races, and that's how we get through this long and arduous summer until training camp starts. So uh, look forward to that and stay in touch. Until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.